0: The War of the Worlds by H. G. Wells Narrated by R. J. Bailey Book Two The Earth Under the Martians Chapter Six The Work of Fifteen Days For some time I stood tottering on the mound, regardless of my safety within that noisome den from which I had emerged, I had thought with a narrow intensity only of our immediate security. I had not realised what had been happening to the world, had not anticipated this startling vision of unfamiliar things. I had expected to see Sheen in ruins. I found about me the landscape, weird and lurid, of another planet. For that moment I touched an emotion beyond the common range of men, yet one that the poor brutes we dominate know only too well. I felt as a rabbit might feel returning to his burrow and suddenly confronted by the work of a dozen busy navvies digging the foundations of a house. I felt the first inkling of a thing that presently grew quite clear in my mind, that oppressed me for many days, a sense of dethronement, a persuasion that I was no longer a master, but an animal among the animals, under the Martian heel. With us it would be as with them, to lurk and watch, to run and hide. The fear and empire of man had passed away. But so soon as this strangeness had been realized, it passed, and my dominant motive became the hunger of my long and dismal fast. In the direction away from the pit, I saw, beyond a red-covered wall, a patch of garden ground unburied. This gave me a hint, and I went knee-deep, and sometimes neck-deep, in the red weed. The density of the weed gave me a reassuring sense of hiding. The wall was some six feet high, and when I attempted to clamber it, I found I could not lift my feet to the crest. So I went along by the side of it, and came to a corner and a rockwork that enabled me to get to the top and tumble into the garden I coveted. Here I found some young onions, a couple of gladiolus bulbs, and a quantity of immature carrots, all of which I secured, and, scrambling over a ruined wall, went on my way through scarlet and crimson trees, towards Kew. It was like walking through an avenue of gigantic blood-drops, possessed with two ideas. To get more food, and to limp, as soon and as far as my strength permitted, out of this accursed, unearthly region of the pit. Some way farther, in a grassy place, was a group of mushrooms which also I devoured, and then I came upon a brown sheet of flowing, shallow water where meadows used to be. These fragments of nourishment served only to wet my hunger. At first I was surprised at this flood in a hot, dry summer, but afterwards I discovered that it was caused by the tropical exuberance of the red weed. Directly this extraordinary growth encountered water, it straightway became gigantic and of unparalleled fecundity. Its seeds were simply poured down into the water of the Way and Thames, and its swiftly growing and titanic water fronds speedily choked both those rivers. At Putney. As I afterwards saw, the bridge was almost lost in a tangle of this weed, and at Richmond, too, the Thames water poured in a broad and shallow stream across the meadows of Hampton and Twickenham. As the water spread, the weed followed them, until the ruined villas of the Thames Valley were, for a time, lost in this red swamp, whose margin I explored, and much of the desolation the Martians had caused was concealed. In the end, the red weed succumbed almost as quickly as it had spread. A cankering disease, due, it is believed, to the action of certain bacteria presently seized upon it. Now, by the action of natural selection, all terrestrial plants have acquired a resisting power against bacterial diseases, they never succumb without a severe struggle. But the red weed rotted like a thing already dead. The fronds became bleached and then shriveled and brittle. They broke off at the least touch, and the waters that had stimulated their early growth carried their last vestiges out to sea. My first act on coming to this water was, of course, to slake my thirst, I drank a great deal of it and, moved by an impulse, gnawed some fronds of red weed. But they were watery and had a sickly, metallic taste. I found the water was sufficiently shallow for me to wade securely, although the red weed impeded my feet a little. But the flood evidently got deeper towards the river, and I turned back to Mortlake. I managed to make out the road by means of occasional ruins of its villas and fences and lamps, and so, presently, I got out of this spate and made my way to the hill going up towards Roehampton, and came out on Putney Common. Here the scenery changed from the strange and unfamiliar to the wreckage of the familiar. Patches of ground exhibited the devastation of a cyclone and in a few score yards I would come upon perfectly undisturbed spaces, houses with their blinds trimly drawn, and doors closed, as if they had been left for a day by the owners, or as if their inhabitants slept within. The red weed was less abundant. The tall trees along the lane were free from the red creeper. I hunted for food among the trees, finding nothing and I also raided a couple of silent houses, but they had already been broken into and ransacked. I rested for the remainder of the daylight in a shrubbery, being, in my enfeebled condition, too fatigued to push on. All this time I saw no human beings, and no signs of the Martians. I encountered a couple of hungry-looking dogs, but both hurried circuitously away from the advances I made them. Near Roehampton I had seen two human skeletons, not bodies, but skeletons, picked clean, and in the wood by me I found the crushed and scattered bones of several cats and rabbits and the skull of a sheep. But though I gnawed parts of these in my mouth, there was nothing to be got from them, after sunset, I struggled on along the road towards Putney, where I think the heat-ray must have been used for some reason. And in the garden beyond Roehampton, I got a quantity of immature potatoes, sufficient to stay my hunger. From this garden, one looked down upon Putney and the river. The aspect of the place in the dusk was singularly desolate, blackened trees, blackened, desolate ruins, and down the hill the sheets of the flooded river, red-tinged with the weed. And over all, silence. It filled me with indescribable terror to think how swiftly that desolating change had come. For a time I believed that mankind had been swept out of existence and that I stood there alone, the last man left alive. Hard by the top of Putney Hill I came upon another skeleton with the arms dislocated and removed several yards from the rest of the body. As I proceeded I became more and more convinced that the extermination of mankind was, save for such stragglers as myself, already accomplished in this part of the world. The Martians, I thought, had gone on and left the country desolated, seeking food elsewhere. Perhaps even now they were destroying Berlin or Paris, or it might be they had gone northward. You have been listening to The War of the Worlds, written by H.G. Wells, narrated by R.J. Bailey. If you have enjoyed this recording, you can support me by getting Martian merch at fineartgeek.redbubble.com. If you're listening to this via podcast or on YouTube, you can also support me by liking, sharing, subscribing, leaving a review, and commenting where those things are applicable. You can talk to me on Twitter at rjbailey and at facebook.com forward slash Artist. If you would like me to narrate your book, you can contact me at those places or visit rjbailey.com. The War of the Worlds is a public domain book. However, this recording of it is copyright to me, R.J. Bailey, 2021. I hope you'll subscribe and hit the notification button for the next chapter.